What is up, Janksters? It's your boy, Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet. And if you've been playing Standard or just about any other format in Magic Gathering recently, you probably have opinions on the card we're gonna discuss today. And that card is Atraxa Grand Unifier. Now, this is a card that I was actually a little bit hesitant to jump into when it first dropped with Phyrexia All Be One. It was one of those cards that like, people like in my Twitch chat or in other YouTube comments would say things like, man, you must love Atraxa. Like, man, Atraxa must be the card that you're like really hyped for coming into this set, right? Like after she got spoiled. And in reality, like the answer to that is not really. So Atraxa Grand Unifier is an incredibly powerful card, but Atraxa has this one key detail about her that turned me off from her dramatically. And that is that she's obviously powerful. Like there's no interesting line with this card. You play her or cheat her into the battlefield somehow, draw a million cards and win the game. Cool, like that's it, that's all you do. You either control the game long enough to ramp into playing her out or you cheat her out with some kind of reanimation strategy and she's just the best thing you can be doing in those kinds of strategies. And she's obviously the best. It's not even close. Like if you're in standard, what are your other options? You've got Titan of Industry, which was phenomenal for a very long time and immediately got replaced. Imme it's not even close. And then also uh, you have Toxroll, the Corrosive, which is another like really powerful card and against uh, aggressive strategies, not a bad reanimator target. But like other than that, what are your options? If you're cheating stuff into play, like Rust Goliath, like that's not a thing. Like <laughs> I'm not, you know, that, that's not what I'm here to do. You know, so Attracts a Grand Unifier is just the strongest. Now, if you're not familiar with the card, uh, because you haven't been playing some of these formats, um, that's okay. Let's go let's get into it. It is a 7-7 Flying Vigilance Death Touch Lifelinker for three green, white, blue, black. So it's three generic mana and then one color for all the colors except red, which it, it, the, those are Atraxa's original colors from Atraxa Praetor's Voice, the original card that was printed um, in the Commander Precons that kind of introduced the character on cardboard. So, okay, cool. Like, they're, they're keeping to that. Um, and they made her huge in this iteration, whereas the previous one was a 4-4 for four, 4 that did, like, some really nasty stuff with proliferation, which was interesting and very powerful. So commander players probably have feelings about this character. But this particular card is especially busted because... She hasn't entered the battlefield trigger that is absolutely disgusting. When Atraxa Grand Unifier enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And now this is this card was interesting because it showcase like artifacts um so in the reminder text it says artifact battle creature enchantment instant land planeswalker and sorcery are card types you'll notice they don't include tribal in there which presumably they just didn't add that for space and there's also like um discussion around whether or not the word tribal is socially acceptable these days so okay like not putting that here but presumably if a card does have tribal on it it does still count here um but it includes the word battle which a lot of people have been speculating about what the heck battles are. I feel like it's kind of wasted time, to be honest, uh, just because like it's interesting to theorize, but we're not gonna know. Like we're gonna have no idea until Wizards just releases them. We assume it has something to do with resistance fighting Phyrexians. Exactly how that manifests itself on cardboard, who knows? We it, since this was released, we do know that they are double faced now, so that's something. 
but regardless, that's not what we're here to discuss today. This card is broken, like completely broken. There are two things they could have done to make this card significantly more fair. They could have either made it cost at least nine, and that may sound like an extreme number, but I don't think it is. I think this card is good enough to merit nine mana. Now you may think, well, but that doesn't stop you from cheating it into play. True, uh, that is still a thing. The other detail that they could have done to this card that would have made it significantly less powerful and significantly less uh, buzzworthy throughout eternal formats is make that ETB say when it tracks a grand unifier enters the battlefield, if you cast it, do the thing. That would have been so much more fair and balanced because reanimator players everywhere are now pulling a Tracks of Grand Unifier out on turn four in standard. And the thing about it is, it's easy to look at this and go like, well, yeah, but like Infernal Grasper Go for the Throat kills it. So what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that she drew you five cards that you had selection over when she hit the battlefield. And if they just use a two mana kill spell, they put it back in your graveyard and you just drew another reanimation spell and probably another Atraxa. So you're going to be fine. Like the, this, this card is so broken and so obviously broken that as somebody who aspires to build fun, interesting jank decks, this card is frustrating because it is what Gristlebrand has been in older formats for a long time. If you're doing anything to cheat a creature in, onto the battlefield, you just get Gristlebrand. It's big enough that it can end the game with just a couple of swings, it's got the lifelink, and it can draw you an obscene number of cards. It is clearly the best thing you can be grabbing that is gonna help you win the game. Atraxa, all of a sudden, from what I understand, is replacing Gristlebrand in some of those old reanimator decks. You don't have to pay life to get the cards, you get them right away, you get, I mean, the biggest whiff I've ever seen with Atraxa that has happened is I had an opponent drop an Atraxa on me once and only, only drew three cards. They drew three cards because they reanimated a 7-7 Flying Vigilance Death Touch Lifelinker. Man, you remember when cards had downsides because they were good? Now it feels like Wizards is printing cards that literally have upsides because they are good and they're printing them at Mythic. This is wild. Like, I genuinely dislike what this card is doing um, because it's just the biggest, dumbest thing. And you don't actually have to build your deck around it. Like, you really don't. Like, I've heard a lot of people, like, talk about, well, but you could brew it so that you could, like, make copies with Vesuvian Duplomancy, or you could, like, make sure that you have a good distribution of different card types to make sure that you're really maximizing that card draw. But at the end of the day, if I'm looking at the top 10 cards and I get to pick one, of those cards, I'm happy. <laughs> like I get to pick whatever I need to grab to win the game. And then on top of that, I'm grabbing at least three of those things in almost any deck. Because we're in a situation where some of the best reanimation is sorceries, like well, just throughout the history of the game. So you have sorcery reanimation, great. You also have cards like Cruelty of Gix or Priest of Fell Rites, depending on what format you're in, which are creatures or enchantments that are reanimating. So you could get multiples of those potentially. Um, when you're grabbing creatures, you can grab a Traxa backup. Uh, we even have a situation where like the deck that I posted on this channel just yesterday on my YouTube channel, that is, is uh, is using Encroaching Mycosynth to make all of the cards in my hand artifacts as well. So I basically get two of whatever type I want. Like, honestly, 
I I don't believe I have ever resolved an Atraxa and drawn fewer than five cards. If I reanimate a threat and it draws me five cards, I, I should win that game. Like the amount of value, the amount of momentum that that generates is very difficult to deal with unless your opponent has an Atraxa of their own. Oh, and on top of that, this puts a 7-7 lifelinker on the battlefield. Like a lot of the time with massive card advantage bombs, one of the big like weaknesses that decks that can leverage those have are like aggressive strategies. Like mono red is a strategy that can prey on the decks that's trying to e execute these like crazy turn four or five combo things that require like hand smoothing graveyard setup. Like, because when you're doing that stuff, you generally are just taking the heat from whatever, you know, from the Monastery Swift Spears or the Goblin guys that your opponent is just bashing you with. And so the idea is a lot of the time in those in this style of deck, OK, by turn four, I've done the thing, but my opponent just needs to swing one more time and I'm probably dead. So if my if the thing I I have can't respond to that, I'm still dead. But Atraxa is a seven power lifelinker. So if their lethal damage requires them to attack with a creature, my life total has effectively increased by seven unless they have a way to make Atraxa not able to block. Like this is where cards like Hammer Hand or like Tap Effects really come in handy. Like that can be very powerful to deal with a card like this. But if they don't have that kind of effect, then all of a sudden like, I've not I've not only drawn all the cards I need to kill you throughout the course of the rest of this game, but I now have this seven life advantage and it has vigilance and flying. So if I untap with it, it's just going to like my life is just going to bump up as we go. This card is busted and the fact like it even has death touch. It has seven power. This thing does not need death touch. It just doesn't <laughs> like that's so like. It can also tangle with with 2020s. Like, why is that a thing? Like, this card is re unreal. It's absolutely wild, and it's obvious. So, I dislike that. I dislike deck building being put on rails. And yeah, there are a ton of different ways you can cheat Atraxa in. There are a ton of different ways you can control the board state to get to the Atraxa. But at the end of the day, if all of a format, whether that be standard or going further back, if every format just becomes who can race to Atraxa faster, that sounds like a really miserable gameplay experience. I hope that doesn't end up being the case because that's certainly not the case right now. You know, Atraxa is very common. It is very powerful. It is well utilized in a lot of formats. It is not truly ubiquitous, but I fear we'll get there. And so, I don't know, this, this card is problematic. And when Wizards prints these kinds of problematic cards, you can't go back. There's no undoing this. Their only option is to accept that this is going to be the eternal staple for the rest of ever or print something even more busted later to sell packs. And that makes me really nervous. That makes me really nervous. And based on some of the previews that we've seen from March of the Machine, I, I am afraid that that plan of printing things just, just ramping up power creep all over again I fear is very real.
On the plus side, though, if you want to get into Eternal formats, buy current standard products and you'll actually get cards that are playable in those older formats. So that's kind of neat. Unless you invested in Jund, you know, 10 years ago uh, in Modern, because uh, you spent a whole lot of money because the deck was safe and wasn't going to rotate, and it practically has, which, woof. Anyway, that's a bit of a tangent, uh, and about stuff that I don't, I don't really know about. Like I said, I don't, I believe I said it in this take, I don't currently play Modern. I would like to someday. And I guess Attracts a Grand Unifier needs to be part of it. I love reanimator strategies, so I guess this is what I'm stuck with. This and Sarah's Emissary, another one that I just, I dislike because the moment it hits the field, just the game is over, but I can't, but but I haven't won yet. It's, <laughs> you know, that kind of card really grinds my gears. But in any event, thank you so much for checking out the video. I had to kind of get this off my chest, I suppose, because this is this is the card, right? Anyway, thank you so much for checking out the video. I appreciate it very, very much. I hope you're having a phenomenal day. If you enjoyed this, please like and subscribe or leave a review in the uh, podcast app of your choice because if you're watching on the YouTube video, believe it or not, this is available as a podcast called Overthinking MTG. I have done this for over 200 episodes of me talking about an individual card for probably around 10 minutes. And actually some of the older ones, and every now and then I still do it, um, were randomly selected. Uh, so I, I would click record, then click the random card button and talk for 10 minutes, which, uh, believe it or not, not a super sustainable model, but it is fun to do from time to time. So anyway, overthinking MTG, wherever podcasts are available. Thank you so much. I'll catch you on the next one.